Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What's going on, everybody? We are live with Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 194. Kyle Bennett, Matt Castorino, live from Underground Studios. As always, show brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharme's Pro Foot. They have gift cards now. If you're looking for that last-minute you know, holiday gift, Ducharme's has you covered. Go get your gift cards over at Ducharme's Pro Foot in Vineland. Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novak Auto Mall, go get the uh, the vehicle for your favorite person for Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever it may be. Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. What's going on, Matt? Living the dream, you know. A little bit of a delayed start, but, you know, things happen, and uh, we got caught up with some things happening on the TV that's been happening all day. Uh, some things that are going on right now, though, Sixers and Heat are live. We will have... Live updates as long as we are uh, doing the show right now for you. But uh, the a Sixers season would not be complete without drama from a Sixers player's dad. And it's Trey Burke. And his dad not happy with his role. And then Kylo Quinn goes and posts, you know, the Da Vinci Code on his Instagram story. And uh, Sixers Twitter was like, oh boy, here we go. Let's get these guys out of here. Yeah, it's um, a little bit strange, uh, I guess. I guess Trey Burke's dad at least may feel uh, maligned for his son because he's not getting a ton of playing time. Kylo Quinn as well, maybe not necessarily getting a ton of playing time. Kylo Quinn's a little more confusing to me because it feels like he knew very well what his role was going to be. Um, you know, you're playing behind Joel Embiid. Like, I don't know what you really expect in terms of uh, playing time, and especially with the addition of Horford. Trey Burke, I can see being a little more upset just because you know, you'd expect this team has the ability or at least like the opening uh, for someone like him. And when we've seen him play, he hasn't been bad. So a little confusing why we haven't seen a little more of him, but um, it's weird, you know, it felt like this is a pretty harmonious locker room. It still feels that way. You know, I think most, uh, most players probably always want to be playing, you know, 30, 35 minutes a night. So I don't know how much of a big deal this is, but yeah, it's uh, not, it's not ideal either, you know, for sure. And, uh, I think it's hilarious, too, that, you know, Kylo Quinn posts all that, and I thought the, the funniest takeaway from it was, you know, Sixers Twitter figured out that the GM had a burner account in, like, a week before the private investigating company that the team and league hired was able to figure out who it was. Somebody's going to figure out what this means, and then just the uh, the array of different, you know, tweets that came out with it was actually pretty funny, so... It's, it's interesting with that, especially since those are two kind of, you know, just dumpable contracts as well, if you wanted to move on from them. But I agree, the Kylo Quinn thing is strange because when he came here in his press conference said, I'm here to play, I'm here to, you know, ride the bench, whatever it may be, like he was all in and then this happens, he likes the Trey Burke dad post and then starts going all cryptic on us like he's Markel Fultz. Yeah, um, I just, I don't. I don't understand any of it to be honest, and it's all uh, it's all a bit confusing. But I, it, it's to me, it's not uh, not that big of a deal. I I don't think yeah. until we hear more about it. But which hopefully we won't, because it should just brush over as something that you know came up during uh, a few off days for this team as they're taking on the Heat right now. Um, you know, obviously Jimmy Butler back, and I think the biggest thing for this team is to just not focus on. Jimmy Butler from the off the court perspective of things in this game like you had that fun in November now it's over especially for the fans too like just let it be it's another game um but it's another test six are still sitting at the number two seed in the east which is fantastic and you want to beat up on these good teams you know the heat is kind of they're in that group of four of you know 
that they faced at least. All right, Toronto, the Heat, Indiana, Boston, and then once Christmas comes, you'll throw the Bucks in there. But Sixers have had success against these teams so far this season, and you want to see that continue, especially at home. Yeah, um, especially when you keep that that good home record going, and yeah, knowing that you could take down another uh, top East opponent is is good news, and that's all the, a good harbinger for the end of the season. So um, it, it's nice too because Heat are missing some some players tonight. Justice Winslow is going to be out, uh, which is definitely big for them, and obviously the Sixers too. You know, going to be fully healthy uh, at least, hopefully through the game. Um, so that's yeah, that's kind of a, a big plus for the Sixers. They have a it's weird, you know. You look at like the betting lines too. You wouldn't think this is two sort of top teams in the East best based on what Vegas thinks, but I think a little bit of that is the injuries and uh, the way this first meeting went, where it was really just a complete beatdown from the Sixers. So I think something I saw that was interesting too about Justice Winslow, who's a guy that I think a lot of Sixers fans last season were clamoring for to bring here just because of you know his contract if you couldn't get a guy like Josh Richardson um he's missed like over 30 percent of his career so far due to injury yeah um which is not you know ideal of course uh but it's it's weird because it's never like these long-term injuries he's kind of someone that has like these week two week long things um, so maybe it is a, a durability question, um, but it's never been, I, I don't think, an issue of like this guy. I, I wouldn't call him necessarily injury prone, right? But at the same time, like you know that you're not. But I, how many players in the NBA now do you even want to be playing, you know, 78, 80 games? Because you know, everyone takes at least one or two nights off through the course of the season. Really, no one's playing 82 games anymore for the most part. There's obviously outliers, but... Um, yeah, I don't think you want your best players to necessarily be playing every single game. So to me, it's not, again, it's it's not a huge deal, but certainly something you, you want to keep an eye on, especially when you consider that, you know, Embiid himself is always going to be someone that uh, is going to either have probably some injury problems or just being uh, rested and, and load managed throughout the year. So, um, and, and that's a decision to make too when, you know, you talk about what to do with Josh Richardson and, and kind of how his tenure goes here. Because if continues along that injured path, maybe, you know, Sixers don't have quite the most faith in him because uh, he's going to command a, a big contract when his time is up um, and maybe try and deal him. But I think a lot of that depends on how this team does over the next year, uh, year and a half. So, And uh, since the last time we had a show, the Sixers just had one of those stinker games against the Nets, uh, lost 109-89, to and B did not play in that game. Um, just overall kind of one of those you you let it happen and you move on type of game similar to the Wizards where you know I think they were just kind of on that upscale and then we're just due for a down game and that's exactly what this Nets game was yeah um you know it, it was their third game in four nights you know uh it's not a long travel so there's, there's not really that excuse but it's again you know this team on the road just isn't isn't very good um I, I do think it was like you said one of those games where your shots just weren't falling uh, you know, you had lots of wide open looks that just just weren't going that on any other night. Do um, you know Horford? I, I like had like a pretty pretty bad shooting night from three. Now, I mean, he had wide open looks again too. So um, yeah, it, it's 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 a loss that obviously doesn't feel great because uh, it's the Nets. You want to be beating up on them, but um, I, I I don't think many people really overreacted to that too much. Just considering the kind of the week that the Sixers just had 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 like right before that. Um, so I think everyone kind of had their perspective. I think it also helped that uh, it just happened to line up with uh, the Eagles. So like everyone was kind of more focused on that um, as the day went on and weren't really worried about what the Sixers were doing. I think there's that's always a, a big part of it. Um, but yeah, it's it's just one of those games where nothing really went right for the Sixers and those are going to happen to you. And um, honestly, like I, I said last time that I'm more happy with beating teams like Boston on the road than I am with you know, dropping a stinker, you know, once every three weeks to, to a team we should be beating. So you kind of move on with that. And you look at this, you know, next stretch of games, obviously tonight with the Heat, like we said, they're not at full strength. So take advantage of that. Uh, the Mavericks game on Friday, no Luka. He got injured this weekend. So that's a, a big boost for what the Sixers should be able to do in terms of just not having to go back and forth in a, like a shootout type of game. Uh, because we all know the season Luca's been having. 
So to not have to face, you know, one of the top players in the league right now is a, a big bonus for this team where you're not going to have to rely on kind of just, you know, shooting the lights out of the gym. Yeah, uh, that yeah, that's obviously helpful. Um, you know, you obviously don't want to see Luke injured, but in terms of yeah, like you said, in terms of matchup for the Sixers, it certainly certainly will make it a little bit easier. And you consider Porzingis has had a not so great stretch of games here as well, um, and he's someone that if as long as Embiid is playing, you know, you, you feel Embiid can certainly dominate in that regard. Dallas is still a good team even without Luca. They they have some some really nice players, so it certainly won't be uh, you know super easy game for us of course but yeah it's it's definitely a much more favorable matchup than it was and then obviously you have uh you know the wizards kind of get a little bit of revenge on them at home um so a nice little three-game homestand and then you go to detroit and then the bucks come here and uh chris heck the uh 76ers president tweeted out the the giveaway for the christmas game and it's absolutely beautiful uh i believe it's going to be a poster and it's literally every member of the sixers as uh peanuts characters and it's something that i didn't think i needed in my life but now i do and it's it's a pretty awesome giveaway yeah it's a a very cool picture um big fan of the the holiday simpsons uh simpsons jesus peanuts specials so uh that's pretty cool um obviously we have the the one up here that one of our listeners sent to us from the social media night last night so something similar there that fans will be getting uh, on Christmas when they take on the Bucks, uh, a lot of just like Sixers, you know, tied in things. They've got the bell in there, Franklin jumping out of a gift. Uh, Mike Scott with all of his tattoos is absolutely hilarious. Um, so good job by the Sixers uh, just incorporating a really cool giveaway there. Um, but what do you kind of expect tonight from this game as it is, you know, going on right now against the Heat where – this is a, another game where they just need to take advantage of the opportunity in front of them. And we say that a lot, but with the guys that are out for the Heat and the Sixers actually being at full strength tonight, which is a huge boost, just like they were the last time they played the Heat, take advantage of that opportunity to you know just continue stacking these quality wins against teams that are higher up in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, you, you expect a win. And especially when you consider the way this team performed last time against the Heat, um, and the Heat were probably kind of in a, a better like vein of form at that point. So yeah, I think you absolutely expect to to beat the Heat again. Maybe it's not quite the uh, the blowout that it was. I think there's probably a little more venom in that that first game. Um, and yeah, I think everyone uh, probably is, isn't going to be as aggressive um, maybe as they were in in that first one. But I think uh, I think this has to be a win and. Again, if you keep racking up these these wins against quality opponents, that only I think does more for your confidence level, and especially again when you talk about the conference seating. But you know, it, I I think the the biggest thing that no team has an answer for in the East is Joel Embiid. When he's playing, I, I don't think anyone matches up with him whatsoever. And I think it's really an issue all across the league as well. I don't think there's a single single player really that uh, that matches up well with him. Um, you know, in the East, the only person is really Marcus Hull, but you know, you look at kind of the rest of that Raptors team now and how, how depleted it is, and we've seen that this team can certainly beat the Raptors. Um, you know, that's that's an issue, right? But, yeah, especially in the East, there's very, very little that anyone's going to be able to do to, to really, really throw Embiid off his game. I think anytime Embiid doesn't perform to a certain level, typically it's because of just a, an off night from him. Honestly, I, there's really not many people that stop him. And a guy that we thought we wouldn't, see around here for a while was back in Philadelphia this week uh Joel Embiid getting some post-practice uh you know run with one Drew Hanlon this week yeah um well Drew Hanlon's still a respected uh shooting coach he just had um a weird <laughs> weird mix up with Mark Elfold we all yeah we, we all kind of did to be honest um yeah Shout out to Mark L, I guess. Um, he's doing okay, at least in Orlando. Uh, still can't shoot, which everyone seems to be happy Forgetting. to ignore. Yeah. Um, but but when he dunks, the world goes wild. I mean, you know, he's starting to look at least a little bit more of the player that uh, that we drafted. But um, uh, I, I'm not even seeing like the Twitter weirdos like clamoring for him, which I I kind of expected to see at some point this year. Maybe we still might. There's plenty of time left. But I, I think everyone kind of knows that like. One, we had to get rid of him, and two, like, 
we haven't really seen enough from him yet to, to have warranted keeping him to, to really feel like we missed out on something. And it helps that the team is as good as it is right now. So, And one thing I just need to say to everybody that is on Twitter, you know, plugging in the trade machine, the Sixers are not getting Drew Holiday. No. Just please stop. He is under contract for the rest of this season and two more years for over $55 million. There's no way in hell that's happening. Stop right where you're at before you hit generate on the trade machine it's not happening so relax yeah the the drew holiday stuff is weird you know people get annoyed with uh like tobias for example and his shot creation um drew holiday is like not good at that at all <laughs> uh drew holiday is good but i like i no like and and beyond that too i don't even know what you'd give up i don't like I don't, I don't, I just, I don't ever see that happening. I don't see the Sixers really making any trades this year. I, I don't like, there's no real way to progress this roster with a trade, like maybe something on the margins, but even then it's not like the Sixers have a ton of assets necessarily to work with. Um, I, yeah, I, I think any, any trade machine involving the Sixers right now is just like, bro, what are we, uh, what are we doing here? What are here? we doing? Yeah. It's we a have little, bigger goals. That's just not, time. not our timeline anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe in like a year or two, like if we need to blow it up, or whatever, we can start running that machine. But I think it's like that and like uh, uh, Tank Nation are like two <laughs> two kind of websites that Sixers fans don't really need to focus on. Although Tank Nation can help because we have some second round picks that maybe could be of uh, of like use to us coming up. But for the most part, don't worry about it because it's not important yeah. to us. Drew Holiday's not coming back. You know, obviously the report about the Timberwolves shopping Robert Covington. Cubs not coming back, like, it just needs to stop. Like, it's it's fun to think about bringing some of these guys back that were, you know, part of the process, and obviously Drew Holiday was the one that kicked it all off on draft night when he was traded for the pick that eventually became Nerland's Noel, but it's not going to happen. My question to you, though, is we've seen a lot of Norvell Pell lately and this whole Kylo Quinn situation, and Norvell Pell's been playing in front of Kylo Quinn. Are you okay with seeing you know, what we've gotten from Norvell, obviously foul gets, you know, in foul trouble a lot, but he does deliver those blocks and seems like Brett is more confident playing him right now over Kyle O'Quinn. I think cause Pell gives you that defensive edge that O'Quinn doesn't. Um, and he looks so smooth while doing it. Like he, he's such a good operator. And yeah, I mean, when the guy comes in and gives you four blocks off the bench, I don't know. That's, that's a more significant spark than Kyle O'Quinn going like, you know, two of five, yeah, like that's just, I, I think that's, that's probably something that you're looking to bring off the bench. We haven't really had a, a really any uh, good backup fives and I'm not making the case of Norvell Pels all of a sudden this great, this great, great player here, but he's certainly something that we haven't had really in, in the past few years on the Sixers in terms of giving you a little dynamic look off the bench. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's, that's good. And look, I think competition is always good in teams. And listen, if someone like Kylo Quinn feels like they might be on the outs, it just means you have to work harder. Like we had Amir Johnson who was kind of in the same boat where it was like, you know, couldn't really get the sustained time that he wanted. And you need to show that you're capable of playing those minutes and earning them. Um, so I'm not upset about it. I think the the more we see of, of Pell, the better, because again, you know, that also gives a look into you, you draft these guys for a reason, right? You know, we know that ultimately a lot of these G league guys will maybe won't even ever play a minute for the Sixers, right? Even in like garbage time. Um, but you want to at least have some kind of pathway for these guys to, to at least have a shot at developing and playing for, you know, the Sixers, not the, the blue coats, you know, like, or, or getting, you know, tossed over to another team and bought out like things like that. You, you want to at least have the option for them and feel like they, they're integrated with the entire organization structure. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited about Pell. And um, like I said, his success is the Sixers success. So that's ultimately good. Exactly. And, you know, you talk about how we're not in trade machine and tank nation mode. We're in player development mode, too, with some of these guys because of the contracts we've given out to Ben Simmons, to Joel Embiid, to Tobias Harris, Al Horford, and potentially Josh Richardson down the line. You want to have some of these guys that are on cheap, controllable contracts that you drafted or you brought in and you develop. And it's it's a success story if Norvell Pell can stick with this team and, you know, give you that quality defense off the bench. Yeah, it's um, 
again, you you, you draft and do the scouting, uh, especially in the second round, for this reason. And the good news is Sixers have uh, those darts later in the second round coming up in the next few years. So that's that's ultimately a positive. A little bit of, of Mavericks preview. Obviously, we'll talk about the game on Saturday. But without Luka, how do you see you know this team matching up? Obviously, Porzingis versus Embiid is going to be a storyline. And then you have uh, Boban's return uh, for the first time. But then there's guys like J.J. Barea who can just come in and you know create a shot cold off the bench. And then you have guys like Jalen Brunson who has had you know a very quality year start to the year so far. But this Mavericks team versus the Sixers lineup, how do you kind of see the matchup? Yeah, I I wonder if Maxi Kleba probably gets to start, um, Dwight Powell as well. It's weird. I, I, I don't really know how the Mavericks are going to line up without Luka just because he is such an integral part of their, their team. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, Seth Curry probably get a little bit more time on the ball and maybe a little bit more of the offense. But I think um, I think we match up well with the Mavs in general. I, again, I think we match up well with, with most teams. Um, I think it's a team we can absolutely bully. Uh, we're going to out-rebound them for sure. And I, I think we're the, the exact type of team that them and a lot of others would struggle with and that we're incredibly long, incredibly athletic, and are going to beat you to every loose ball pretty much. And that is uh, that is a recipe to win most of your games. Um, I think Dallas can absolutely struggle with that. But there's still, even without Luka, I think there, there's quality players in there. So you certainly can't underestimate them. From one Dallas team to another, Eagles somehow uh, came out on top against Washington on Sunday. Carson Wentz with arguably a, a top five throw of his career to Miles Sanders. And uh, if only we had called up Greg Ward Jr. from the practice squad earlier this season, Eagles might have uh, five more wins because he knows how to catch a ball in the corner of the end zone. But Eagles-Cowboys this week, um, you know, it's looking like Lane Johnson is on the mend and could play in this game. Uh, Looks like Derek Barnett's going to be back as well. But, you know, obviously the the national – media are going to, you know, attack this game from a Cowboys perspective and say the Cowboys are the more talented team. They're going to win this game, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, this Eagles team has kind of been in this backs against the wall underdog situation before. And as much as you want to bash it, like, I think they're hitting their stride right now. I'm sure they played two bad teams, but this Cowboys team has yet to prove outside of this past week when they finally beat a team over 500 for the first time that they don't play well against, you know, teams that have success. Yeah, and, um, you know, <laughs> the the Rams are a pretty Jekyll and Hyde team, so I don't even know what kind of stock you totally put in a game like that. And what's weird is, yeah, you say they haven't beat a quality opponent. That's because the Eagles were <laughs> were not <laughs> were, uh, under 500 when, when they beat them, so or at 500. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is like the... I mean, this is the biggest game of the year. Uh, it usually is to begin with anyway. Like, anytime you play Dallas, it's certainly a big occasion just because, really, for most of this decade, those have been the only two competent teams in the division. The Giants maybe light up a year or here or there, but Redskins are always garbage. Um, so, yeah, they're the two most relevant teams. They're definitely two of the most followed teams, uh, like Dallas. I know we hate the America's team moniker, but it's true. They have uh, a big following all across the country. A lot of that stretches to the 90s when they had their dynasty. We'll have the same, it's the same things with Steelers fans. You know, that the reason they have is because of their success in the 70s and 80s. So a lot of, like, people our parent, like our parents' age follow them, so then their kids follow them. And we'll have the same thing with the Patriots. When we get older, we'll have a bunch of random Patriots fans. It's, it's all cyclical where you have these really dominant teams, and then, you know, it just kind of spreads. So, um, yeah, it's – and Philly, I think, has probably one of the biggest markets in America. I think it's – pretty much perennially around the top five. Um, so, yeah, it's, you, you certainly can't draw it up for more massive uh, audience and massive stakes because this is this is a winner goes to the playoffs, essentially. Like, this this is a playoff game. And, um, you know, I guess the advantage is it's in Philly. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know any other advantage other than that because this Eagles team can't be trusted. Uh, they almost blew it against Washington in Washington, where it was still a Philly game, essentially. Uh, if you were just listening that, you know, with your eyes closed, you would probably assume that was in Philadelphia, the way the crowd was reacting to every uh, Eagles drive and possession. So 
I don't know what kind of stock you put it. If Haskins can do that, I, again, I know we don't like Dak Prescott. I know we, we think he's uh, probably going to be overpaid in the near future. Um, even if he's franchise tagged, he's probably still going to go overpaid. <laughs> um, but it, I, I still think he's at least a serviceable quarterback. He's average to above average, kind of depending on the matchup. Um, and we've seen Ryan Fitzpatrick light this team up. I just I, I don't know how you can be comfortable. Like I, I don't, um, especially when you consider that it doesn't look like the Eagles are going to have a lot of these wide receivers healthy uh, for Sunday. Obviously, we'll kind of have to wait on that. But you know, I know Greg Ward had a, a very nice like kind of show up game against Washington. It does kind of make you wonder where he's been this entire season. Um, if he was right in front of the the coach's eyes there, but. Do you really bank on that? And I think the Cowboys is a much better defense. I think the Cowboys actually have a very good defense. Um, I they're a little banged up at the moment, injury wise. But do you like? I, I just don't trust anything about this Eagles team. Is really the root of all of this. I, I don't know how anyone can, and um, I think it's going to be a very uh, white knuckle game. Well, it's funny you bring up Dak Prescott because <laughs> news surfaced over the uh, the old Twitter machine from Adam Schefter and a whole bunch of other outlets today that. Dak Prescott's actually dealing with a shoulder injury. Uh, he isn't practicing this entire week. Cooper Rush is taking all of the practice reps for the Cowboys. Uh, it's a real injury. Got an MRI today, and um, it's going to be interesting. You know, we've heard this kind of injury story from the Cowboys before with offensive linemen that they have, and, um, you know, the thing with this is, though, is – you know, pro football doc on Twitter talked about how sure he can play, but is he going to be effective? And I think that's a, a major part of this is like, if Dak does play with this injury, how effective is he going to be? The play apparently happened against the Rams. Um, when Dak ran the ball and kind of got hit by Clay Matthews and landed on him. So I don't know how much stock I put into it, but it is interesting that it's coming out midweek now that Dak Prescott is getting an MRI and isn't practicing for the rest of the week. I, this this feels though like uh, more precautionary than anything, and he's he's probably going to play. So, like this is the biggest game of the season. I don't see unless it's like on the career threatening side how uh, how Dak sits this one out. I, uh, and. I, <laughs> I think there's also a timeline where Dak sits out and you get beat at home by the second string Dallas uh, quarterback to to get knocked out of the playoffs, and that's um, something I don't know quite how you recover from, to be honest. Um, so yeah, that's uh, I guess that's the the class half empty you though. But I mean, you'd have to like your chances more if Dak mm-hmm. is out, to be honest. But he's expected to play, which I mean. Like you said, I don't see how Dak misses this game, but if he's playing it not 100%, that's where this Eagles defense and this pass rush has to come into play and you know go after Dak and make him even more uncomfortable than he already is with this injury. Um, I just find it very interesting that it's coming out midweek and he's just now getting an MRI, especially since he quote-unquote sustained the injury early on in the Rams game but then continued to play, so kind of interesting to me that he didn't report it you know monday or tuesday when the team went in uh for this week to get started but we'll see how that kind of develops and if Dak plays less than 100 percent, i think that's just more of a boost for carson wentz to take advantage of the opportunity in front of him and uh just go put on a show on the national spotlight yeah and uh let's hope this game isn't over uh, in the first quarter like it was in dallas because that's the thing too like this team got down early to the Giants and the Redskins, and they were able to come back. If you get down early to this Cowboys team, it's it's just curtains. Like, there's no way I see this team coming back if they are down 17 to 3, 17, you know, 10 even, and you're going into halftime because, sure, the Cowboys don't know how to uh, call a coin toss, but if you're down, this team doesn't have the firepower to go in a shootout mode with the Cowboys. And we've said that, I don't even know how many times this year, that this team so often would kind of have these lackluster first, you know, the first few games of the season, Washington, you had Green Bay as well, like you kind of had to to make a a big comeback. Atlanta, even against Detroit, like you left it late, like that's your first five games of the season essentially where you kind of, 
give the other team a free 23 points and have to play catch up almost like it's um that's not a way to to win football games and that's a problem that hasn't really gone away when you consider we've talked about it all year um and i don't know i think it's on multiple levels an execution issue i think it's a talent issue and i I think you also have to look at at the, the coaching staff at this point as well because something like that has to be fixed in some way uh you know, from September to December, that has to be some progression. I don't think you can really say that at all with this team. And again, part of that is definitely injury related, especially when you consider the offense, how that hasn't been able to get going. But thankfully you've had Miles Sanders sort of step up in the past month and turn into like, you know, potential rookie of the year candidate almost, or at least offensive rookie of the year candidate, I should say. But um, yeah, I think that's, that's the positive news, but I just, like you said, the, the, the firepower issue, I, I, if you do get into a shootout with Dallas, I, I just don't know how you keep up. Um, and I would say that for the Eagles against most teams. It's not even just a Dallas question. I, I, again, this team struggled against Washington. This team lost to the Dolphins. Struggled like, against the Giants early. Like the, this, is, this team isn't very good. That's the issue. Like they, They're on their day an average to above average team. I, I, think the only, I think the only great win this team has had this year is when they went to Buffalo um, and won. And, it could, and that was a convincing win. I think that's the only win this season that you can actually hang your hat on and say that was... I'll throw Green Bay in there, too. Even yeah. Though, you Green... know, it came down to, you know, the end of the game, and it was really Green Bay's coaching staff not calling the right plays. But I'd say those two games are really yeah. the ones that stand out this season. I would only say Buffalo and just that. I think Buffalo was in a much better place because um, they had been going weeks and weeks playing very well. It was Green Bay that's kind of early in the year, and Green Bay's had this issue with sort of sort of sleepwalking through games, whereas you went to Buffalo, um, a really, really tough defense all year, and just absolutely wallop them. I, I think, for me, yeah, but those are both good wins. But, I mean, you know, if you can only pick out two wins that you're, like, quote-unquote, like, proud of, every other win has been you kind of just squeak by teams, and that's not um, that's not particularly comforting. And even if this team makes the playoffs, I, like, I don't feel like this is one of those teams that can kind of get hot and can kind of burn through teams like I this feels very much like a first round exit team and it, it, honestly I think the Eagles the Eagles or the Cowboys are the team that probably everyone else wants you know I, I think Seattle is probably like pretty happy if they have to come to Philly I was like yeah we Even can San Francisco is yeah happy. Sanford like I, I think any whoever ends up in that spot is probably like yeah that's fine <laughs> like we have we'll I, come out east yeah I don't I don't think they really have an issue with it and that's not you don't want to be that team you don't want to be like the Houston Texans you know where it's like ah oh, we don't Play mind on Saturday at one o'clock yeah we don't we don't mind being uh, being those you know like you you don't want to be that team you just don't and I I think whoever wins this division is honestly going to be the, the you look at the NFC and it's like it's unbelievable. Stacked. Top you know, to bottom. There's going to be teams that are 10 and 6, maybe even 11 and 5, missing out in the playoffs, whereas you're going to have probably an 8 and 8 division winner in there. <laughs> That's so NFC still. Oh, man. Uh, Eagles and the rest of the NFL also announced their Pro Bowlers, and I, quite frankly, was very shocked that the Eagles have five Pro Bowlers off the bat. Uh, those being Jason Kelsey, Brandon Brooks, Fletcher Cox, Zach Ertz, and Rick Lovato. Shout out to the long snapper getting in. Um, Jason Kelsey and Brandon Brooks and Zach Ertz don't surprise me. I was shocked Fletcher Cox got in uh, just based on the vote because he's only got three and a half sacks this year. Has kind of really had a down season. Um, but good for Fletch getting in. The biggest snub for me is Lane Johnson. He's the best right tackle in football and he doesn't get in. Uh, it's the second time that's happened in his career. But to have five pro bowlers with this bad of a team well done yeah uh, i think it's a little bit of an indictment on the coaching staff though again that you you clearly have talent on this team um and the fact that you know you're kind of at best looking at like best best case scenarios nine seven realistically if they beat the cowboys i I think they probably pack it in uh for the final week and just kind of coast through but well now they'd have to win that final week game yeah that's right because they, they the Rams absolutely <laughs> shit the bed, which is great. Um, so yeah, like the just the kind of the the level of underachieving this year has been uh has been not so great. And, and again, granted, there's there's injuries to have dealt with, but I think every team in the NFL has to deal with injuries. So I don't I don't particularly care for that argument all that much. Um, but it is it is at least a factor. You can't totally totally deny it. But 
And there's an opportunity for probably like three or four more guys to get into the Pro Bowl based on the teams that will be in the Super Bowl and those guys replacing him. I'd say Carson Wentz has a good shot. Either Malcolm Jenkins and or Rodney McLeod have a good shot. Um, so there's definitely an opportunity for this team to have close to eight, maybe even ten Pro Bowlers because, like you said, there's talent on this team. It's just they the coaching staff has not been able to develop it and execute it to the maximum level that we all expected, you know, back in July, August, September. Yeah. Um, I, I, I personally, I don't care about the pro bowl. I don't think anyone does. I don't, I couldn't even tell you the last time I even watched a 20 seconds of the pro bowl. Like I genuinely cannot remember the last time. It's the worst of all the, uh, all the all-star games. I know they've tried to make it like more fun. They have like the dodgeball tournament stuff. Even that I haven't watched I think the only time I only know about that because I saw a Twitter video of it. I, like the NFL is very, very bad at the All Star thing. I think it's just because the nature of the game and the league is it's like kind of it's difficult to do. I I think they should just make it flag football. I think that'd be more fun and make it like make it like divisional. Make it like you know you get like one like you. One guy from the division is like the captain and picks like teams and like have like a little mini tournament. I think that'd almost be better at this point and, and make it make it a little more fun. Like I, I don't know. Really like that idea. Like I don't I don't care about like having like a full game. It's like I feel like if you made it like flag football, like you know people would be allowed to take it a little less serious. Whereas when you still got the full pads and helmet on and everything, like there's this kind of I, I i'd imagine at least some mentality switch of like okay well it's not like you know we're just out here having fun like we're we're still playing and yeah they do do a little more loopy stuff but like you know the purple you're still finishing games like 17 10 it's like we love the nba all-star game because it finishes like 198 to 187 every year you know and major league baseball is different in that like you get to see like the best pitchers pitch the entire game, like the best hitters, and like they they do the the right whole in the middle of the season, and the whole weekend is kind of a fun event as well. Like the home run derby, I think is probably the best all star event out of all the sports. Like and even hockey has has kind of switched it up to make theirs a little more exciting. I think the skills challenge has always been fun in hockey. I think the way they do all stars now, again with the captains picking teams, you have like these again what I think the NFL should do where you have these mini tournaments essentially like these three on three teams or five on five like make make that change like I don't know like I think it would be a lot more fun if you had something like that you know where it's just like I want to see these dudes just absolutely sprinting like 90 yards making one-handed catches I don't care like to watch like schemed offense in February mm-hmm. I just like <laughs> I'm over it <laughs> like it's it's not worth it make it just make it fun I totally agree. I like that idea of the flag football. Um, Roger Goodell, I'm tweeting this episode. Yeah. Uh, get it together. But one little bit more of Eagles news. Shout out to friend of the show, our guy Giovanni. With, uh, you know, had surgery today. He's going to be staying overnight at the hospital. Uh, did tweet out a video, though, of himself because he had one thing to say post-operation, and that was fly, Eagles, fly, uh, you know, we've started kind of a, a hashtag trend along with our friend Connor Miles on Twitter. It's hashtag GeoStrong. So send him some encouraging, uh, you know, tweets and videos and fun stuff to, you know, just keep him in good spirits because uh, he's a, you know, friend of the show. And uh, we just want to see him doing well. So shout out to Giovanni. Hope you get back better than ever uh, for this Eagles game against the Cowboys. But uh, Philly's rumors are a swirling still. And the most recent one is another former Yankee, Dylan Batances. Could be a Philly very, very soon. Uh, there was rumors that it was going to come down to the Mets and the Phillies, and the Dodgers are now in the mix as well. But the Mets are out, and Dylan Batances is looking for a one-year deal. But the bigger part of this is if the Phillies sign Dylan Batances, they're going to go over the luxury tax. And if you're going to go over the luxury tax to go get Dylan Batances, you might as well continue to go over the luxury tax and improve this roster that much more. Because if you're just going to do it just for the sake of getting Dylan Patances, that's a waste to me. Yeah. Um, I almost wonder if they can do it in a way that they go over enough that when you get uh, Arietta off the books next year, that you know him alone might take you under the tax, and then whoever else you can you know get rid of. Who I, I don't know all the uh, expiring contracts off the top of my head. But, yeah, I think... Um, 
I agree. You know, if, if you're going to get, there's no point in dipping your toe into the luxury tax. It's like, start paying. Like, it's, again, it's not like this team has spent money. It's not like this team doesn't have money. So, um, I, I said this last year that if this team fails, if this team failed to have brought in Bryce Harper and Manny Machado for baseballing reasons and sporting reasons, like, oh, well, like they chose a, a better project or a different project, whatever. But if this team fails or doesn't get these guys because, money was an issue we're gonna have a problem and i feel the same way going into this season that listen like you don't get to talk with the game that you talked if you're john middleton um and then you know when it comes time to actually start writing the checks you uh you, you don't feel like putting the money in i just frankly i completely agree and uh the nolan arenado rumors continue to swirl as well um which kind of just gives the phillies that uh luxury tax even more kind of uh, momentum. Uh, Joe Giglio, friend of the show as well, put out an article for NJ.com uh, highlighting that uh, an MLB.com roundtable of writers, including the Rockies beat writer for MLB.com, for whatever that's worth, how much stock you want to put into that, put together uh, trade packages that could pry Nolan Arenado out of Colorado. And this was what the uh, roundtable put together for the Phillies. So the Phillies get Nolan Arenado. The Rockies would get our guy, Alec Bohm, uh, Adonis Medina, pitching prospect for the Phillies. The Phillies would also send Jay Bruce and David Robertson to kind of level <laughs> off the the money there. Um, and here's why it could work. Who says the Phillies can't still win the offseason for the second year in a row? The trade would require Philadelphia to exceed the $208 million competitive balance tax threshold in 2020. But if the Rockies take back Jay Bruce and David Robertson, who's obviously recovering from Tommy John surgery, it would cut down the Phillies' number uh, by $23.5 million and put them a Gene Segura trade away from getting under the tax line. Even if the Phillies pay the tax for one season, they have Jake Arrieta coming off the books next offseason, which would help them reset the penalty in 2021. And then you obviously pair up Bryce Harper, Nolan Arenado, JT, and then uh, Reese Hoskins being at first base, and then Arenado being at third. There's no room for Alec Bohm, so that gives the Rockies an immediate replacement for Arenado. Gives them a chance to take a, a shot at Adonis Medina, who's no longer a top 100 prospect, but formerly was. And then the who says no. The Phillies, GM Matt Klentak said he expects Bohm to contribute at some point in 2020, which is very encouraging for our brand. Uh, in the meantime, Scott Kingry can handle third base with Segura at second and Didi Gregorius at shortstop. It's interesting because obviously we would take Nolan Arenado in a heartbeat and pair him with Bryce, JT, and the rest of these guys. I just don't think the Rockies would be getting enough back. Yeah, well, the, the Rockies are an interesting space, though, where he could theoretically walk um, not anytime soon necessarily i think it's still another two years uh, until he, he has his opt-out but you know how many times have we seen these teams kind of wait till the last minute to, to deal or have them walk you saw the same thing with uh Bumgarner this year where you know the the giants were kind of hemming and hawing about getting rid of him and you know they could have at least gotten some potentially better picks or even a prospect or two back and instead he, he walks um, to a division rival nonetheless yeah so you know, I, I think teams could be wise to do that. I just feel like it might be kind of early to pull that plug if you're the Rockies. And, you know, you have to also consider that they're a team themselves that has to sell tickets. And they're doing a good job, I think, at getting people in the door anyway because I think they, they market themselves well. But at the same time, if you just sign your best player to a big contract last year and you're already dealing him the next year, and a team, again, that has had a difficult time holding on to its stars, um, that really hasn't had a ton of success, uh, really ever, <laughs> um, at least not in the past this century. You know, you have to go back to, what, the 80s, the last time the Rockies were good. Yeah, um, and then they had their, their mini run in 2007 when they yeah. got to the World Series, and then a couple years ago they had a small playoff run. But it's it's very, like, intermittent with them. Mostly because of the division they're in. Obviously, the Giants yeah. have been good a majority of this decade. The Dodgers have had success. It is definitely this entire decade. definitely one of the more brutal divisions in baseball. But it's also too. I think the Nate they're not Colorado isn't small market, right? But it, like it's weird to say in terms of big markets, they're right. small on that scale. Like they're not like a 
Oklahoma City or something where it's like, oh, wow, they're not really working with a ton or like San Antonio where it's mm-hmm. like there's not much there. But like in terms of like big markets, they're on the lower end of the spectrum, I feel. They're um, like the angels. Yeah, like they're, 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 they're kind of like, okay, like, yeah, people know the Rockies and cool. Like I think they have a, a good presence, especially online too. But um, generally speaking, they're a team that's never found continued success. Not always at their fault, of course. But yeah, I, I just think, you know, if I was a fan of the Rockies and I saw Arenado getting dealt, I'd be pretty pissed off. To just to be frank, I, I, I don't. Agree. I don't think I'd really even care who we got back. Um, you know, so I. I just don't necessarily see it from that angle. Uh, it happening. Uh, Zach Wheeler and Didi Gregorius were formally introduced uh, this week as well. Uh, Zach Wheeler obviously went to the uh, Bryce Harper School for pandering to Philadelphia fans, <laughs> talking about the uh, the old Super Bowl. Um, but I was intrigued by what both of those guys said. Uh, Didi obviously wanted to be here, loves playing for Joe Girardi. Joe Girardi joked about how he expects uh, to have Didi hitting in the 3, 4, or 5 hole, which is very interesting to me. Uh, and then Didi said, I'm not making the lineups. Um, but if you do plug Didi, say, in you know the 5 hole, and you hit McCutcheon, Segura, Bryce Harper, Reese or JT in the 4 hole, and then DD at five, and then Research JT at six. That is one hell of a deep one through six to uh, kick off this lineup. Yes, and uh, it kind of felt that way at times last year, especially early on in the season. We had this kind of deep, uh, you know, again, kind of one through six lineup, but that was really, really uh, difficult to get through. And hopefully, you can have some of that sustained success. But still, I, I need I need some pitching. Need some pitching on this team, and hopefully, that's what's next. Um, you know, I that's that's the ultimate goal I think for the Phillies with with what the time we have left. But yeah, I love I love that Bryce probably just passes every new free agent like uh, like a little notepad. And it's like here's all the dumb things to say that Philly fans will drool over. Like it's <laughs> like listen guys, it is not hard at all. I like it took me a week. <laughs> it took me a week, guys, for real. And everyone's just eating out of the palm of my hand. It's so easy here. It's so great. Uh, funny tweet I just saw too uh, because the White Sox obviously. We're one of the teams, and on Zach Wheeler, and somebody said the double doink kept the White Sox from having a shot at signing Zach Wheeler. Um, but I'm excited. You know, Zach Wheeler is a guy that has been compared a, a lot recently to Garrett Cole at this point in their careers. Obviously, Zach's older, but he hasn't been in the league that long. But he's one of those guys that getting kind of that career reset in a new spot and a new opportunity just like Garrett Cole did when he went from the Pirates to the Astros. They're both, you know, those kind of fireball-type pitchers throw really, really hard, and this could be where we finally see the Zach Wheeler breakout that a lot of people expected from him when he was a prospect for the Giants, when he went to the Mets, and now he's with the Phillies, and we could potentially be reaping the benefits of, you know, the the peak of Zach Wheeler. Yeah, I think it's it's a good bet we've made with Zach. And, you know, we talked about this when we were mentioning uh, Garrett's contract. And, yeah, I think there's no question that Garrett Cole is the, the better pitcher. But is he almost three times better than Zach Wheeler? I think that's uh, debatable. <laughs> um, so, yeah, in terms of value, I think we've, we've got good value here. And I think it's just with him, it's about staying injury-free and some more consistency. And I, I think those are two things that, you know, the injuries might be a little more luck-based, but, um, you know, consistency, I, I think, is something that can be worked on as he gets more and more reps. You know, again, he is old in the sense that he's the same age as Garrett Cole, but, yeah, you look at the innings pitch difference, and it's pretty massive. Um, and I, I think that's a benefit to Zach in that, you know, you, you kind of, if you had to bet right now on who has sort of the more prolonged uh, career, you'd probably bet on Zach again just because of the 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 big difference in, in how much less mileage he has on him. Um, but yeah, I think I think he certainly could. And again, you know, if if you get if you get what we what Zach Wheeler can be, which is a very very high potential, high ceiling type of guy, you're underpaying probably uh, at that point. You know, if if he really does develop to his potential, and you know, I think. I think that the biggest thing this team is missing is kind of a one, two, and three punch in terms of pitching. We haven't had that in forever. Um, if you can get Nola and Zach at a high level and add a third component to that, even 
you're in a good space. Obviously, a fourth would be even better, but we can't get too ahead of ourselves. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think I'm I'm really happy to have Zach. Me too. And um, you know, the other third baseman that is kind of swirling rumors around the Phillies is Chris Bryant. And uh, we talked about the Nolan Arenado potential trade package. There, here's a uh, potential Chris Bryant trade package for you. So the Phillies get Chris Bryant. The Cubs would get Alec Bohm, obviously, as the replacement for Bryant. They'd get Zach Eflin, Gene Segura, with the Phillies paying down some of the contract, and then catching prospect Rafael Marchand. I just don't see us getting Chris Bryant, man. I just really don't. The The thing that I've seen most recently, and it's, it's interesting to think about, is the more this thing kind of lingers on, the better chance the Phillies have because it's similar to JT Real Muto. Last year, there were like five, six teams in on JT. It lingered. The Marlins couldn't get the prospects they wanted. It you know kept going, kept going, kept going, and then the Phillies were like, all right, here you go. We'll give you Jorge Alfaro, uh, another prospect, and Sixto Sanchez, and then the Marlins finally caved and said yes. So it's I, I don't know if it's going to be something like that where if it continues to linger – you can kind of pay it down a little bit with something like this, where Alec Bohm is kind of just the lone big prospect you're giving up. Um, obviously, you and I want to see Alec Bohm just contribute for this team and be the third baseman of the future, but Chris Bryant is another guy that would you know move the needle for this team immediately and put them in a position to have kind of that th- those three blue-chip hitters along with Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola as your top two pitchers. Yeah, I mean, it's a great dream to, to, to add, but um, you know, I I think I've made the point that if it's between Chris Bryant and uh, a third starting pitcher uh, this off season, I'm you know again no disrespect to Chris Bryant and how talented he is, and I think he'd make a big impact on this roster. But I, I just I think the pitching cannot be cannot be non addressed again. Like I, I I can't see Nick Pavetta pitching again as like the third option on this team, the fourth option. I just can't. I, no. Yeah, <laughs> I just can't. I can't do it again. I absolutely can't. I can't see Vince Velasquez pitching again r- with regularity this on this bullpen. team. Yeah, with that's my point. Is like if I'm having to watch him have starts, mm-hmm. that's just that's a no. <laughs> that's a big no for me personally. Uh, big no for the Flyers is they just keep getting injured. But they did have a fantastic game uh, against the Ducks with the whole Oscar Strong kind of night that they had uh oscar showed up pregame to talk to the team and everything and uh i think that was a huge motivational factor for the guys on the ice and uh you know just a dominant performance against a bad team and that's what you want to see the flyers do um especially during this stretch run where a lot of the guys have started to get injured and have been out and you're kind of shuffling this lineup even more and you got a guy like joel farabee who got suspended for three games for a questionable amount of time uh, on that hit. Um, but, you know, very cool thing that the Flyers did last night. And, um, you know, you just want to continue to see the success if they can continue to, like, pile these wins on even with a depleted roster. Yeah. Um, however, if we if we get to January and this team's starting to spiral, I'm pulling that tank button. I absolutely am. Um, I got a, I got an itchy tank finger and it's ready to go. But yeah, obviously again, everything with Lindblom, it's, it's great to see on a night like that, like to get that win, I think just, um, gives you that extra good feeling, but flyers have been getting pumped by some teams lately. It's been a little, it's been a bumpy ride the last week or so, and, uh, hopefully kind of navigate out of that, but. It's a little bit like the Eagles where uh, you've been burned so many times, you don't really want to trust this team all too much. Yeah, and a nice thing to see is that the Devils have already started blowing things up. Uh, they are absolutely terrible. As a friend of the network, Ethan Levy from Gotham Sports Network said, the Devils are the Cleveland Browns of the NHL. They just don't know how to win. They get all this talent, and uh, they still stink. That's unfair because the Devils have at least had success this century. That's fair. Yeah, like the uh, no the one Browns? is no one is the Browns. No winning season the entire decade for the Cleveland Browns. What they had like oh eight or oh nine, they went ten and six. That was like the last yeah. time. Is that the Peyton Hillis year? Actually, which was the Peyton Hillis year? <laughs> Derek Anderson leading the charge, and they still didn't make the playoffs. Like you talk about just worst all time. 
I I don't know how anyone sold themselves on Cleveland this summer. I can say without without even lying to myself, I did not believe for one second that that team was going to be good. What I didn't an, believe in the defense. What an absolutely shambolic team. Yep. Yeah, Freddie Kitchen is your coach. Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. You could go into the kitchen of probably the, <laughs> a, a local Cleveland restaurant and get a better head coach. I don't know how they, they do this. It's it's a skill, actually, to be it's that so bad. bad. Yeah. I wonder I wonder which team is going to get lucky and get one of their distressed assets. That should be something the Eagles should be talking about. Mm-hmm. i take Jarvis Landry. I would take Hell Jarvis yeah. Landry in a heartbeat. He would be so good for this like, team. Like, you have Nick Chubb. The dude averages like 8.9 yards per carry, and you give it to him like 10 times a game. The one win the Browns will have this decade is that Nick Chubb has a shot at winning the rushing title. It's just like unbelievable. I I, I don't get it. It's unbelievable. You brought in Odell Beckham Jr., who is one of the, you know, say what you want about, he's one of the most talented wide receivers we've seen in a very long time, and you can't get him the ball. Just terrible. And they also passed on Carson Wentz. It's because. Thanks uh, to the Browns. It's because Baker's too busy doing progressive car commercials. Sitting in an empty stadium. You know, like, you know, he had, like, all that stuff to say about Johnny Manziel, who, like, you know, I think at times deserved criticism in his life for decisions he's made. But overall, hasn't really done anyone harm either. Like, Johnny Manziel, like, yeah, like. Other than himself. (laughs) Yeah, like, you know, and, like, it's all, like, I think he's working through that. And, like, whatever. Like, he's, again, like, Johnny, it's not like he was, like, stealing money from people. It's not like he had, like, harassment or, like, domestic violence issues, yet he always gets, like, stomped on by Baker Mayfield. It's like, buddy, you are going to be on the same route if you're not careful. Like, Baker got routed by the guy who replaced him at Oklahoma this week with Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. It's, um, yeah. Listen, I don't know. Cleveland, good luck. (laughs) Absolutely terrible. But, yeah, the Flyers are, uh. You know, three points back of a, a three-way tie with the Penguins and the Hurricanes right now, and uh, about twelve points back of the Capitals. So we'll see what they do. Um, just hope they get back on this win streak and take care of business uh, as these games, you know, kind of pile up here as they take on the Sabers tomorrow. Another good team. Uh, then they go to Ottawa. They host the Rangers, and then they get back after it after the holidays. Uh, Saturday the 28th in San Jose for a very lengthy road trip as they go to San Jose, Anaheim, L.A. on New Year's Eve. Day after New Year's, uh, they take on the Golden Knights. Then they're in Arizona. Then they come back to Carolina before they come back home on January 8th to uh, take on the Capitals. So, very lengthy road trip that the uh, the old Flyers are going to be on out west. So, hopefully they can... uh, Handle that there. Sixers right now, right before halftime, down fifty-four to forty-eight against the Heat. Not great. Let's uh, let's pick it up a little bit there, guys. Uh, don't want to lose to Jimmy Butler ever. Um, make sure you check out our friends at Design Tree. Though we relaunched an old classic that we put out last year on our old shirt merchandise provider. Uh, it is heist season again. Let's go rob the NFC East. The Underdog Heist ski mask shirts and hoodies are available, uh, as well as all of our other designs that we've put out. The Sir Didi Knights emoji crest that we put out uh, as soon as the Didi signing was official is also available in shirts and hoodies. Uh, DSGentry.com, search Underground Sports Philadelphia. Use the promo code HOLIDAYS for 20% off, and you can use the promo code DSGN10 for just immediately $10 off your order at checkout. You can't stack the codes, but either Either of them work, so Holidays or DSGN10, whichever one you prefer. Help us keep this thing running and uh, let us pay the bills. But as always, show brought to you by our friends at Main Auto LLC. I'll be heading over there soon to get my uh, my oil changed. They do a great job for me. Make sure you check them out. Tell them Underground Sports Philadelphia sent you if you are in the South Jersey area. Ducharms Pro Foot, like we said, go get your gift cards for the holiday season. You need that last-minute gift, stocking stuffer. Whatever it may be, Ducharms has you covered with gift cards. Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Automall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. We'll be back on Saturday, hopefully talking about some more Sixers wins, some Flyers wins, Dylan Batances being in a Phillies uniform, and uh, whatever else may pop up on your timeline. So make sure you follow us on Twitter. At Underground PHI. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorini. You can follow me at KBIZZL311. 
And then make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Let us know how you're feeling about this Dallas Week game, Phillies off-season move so far, Sixers and Flyers, whatever comes to mind. Leave it in your Apple Podcast review. And then you can check us out on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, Radio.com, and iHeartRadio. Can't say it enough. Just, just win, baby. We'll be back on Saturday with episode number 195, but this has been episode 194 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. For Matt, I'm Kyle. We are signing off. Peace.